The following announcement has been paid for by Journey Into Wrestling. Things seem to be changing around here, and I'm talking podcasts, brother. Journey Into Comics Network and no JIW? Where's the wrestling? That's just it, bro. We're making a comeback. JIW has taken over. Butt stuff, podcastrophe, the poor rapport, all these new guys on the scene. We're about to show them what podcasting is all about, Chico. Why don't you tell them when they can hear us, Nate? Every other Wednesday, right here on the Journey Into Wrestling Network. Anything less is just too civilized. Following is a Journey to Comics Network production. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 19 of The Poor Report. I am your host, Andrew Poor, and I want to thank you for joining me here today. Now, I'm going to apologize in advance before I get into the show. I'm a little under the weather today, so my voice might be a little rough, and I might cough during the show. I don't know what's actually going to happen yet, but as they say in show business, the show must go on. And speaking of show business, over the weekend, we saw the 2018 Golden Globe Awards that were hosted by Seth Meyers. Now, I watched the show, and it was actually not bad. It wasn't as over the top as some Golden Globe or some other award shows of the past, and it kind of gives us the first taste of what we're going to see the rest of the spring as we get into like the SAG Awards, the BAFTA Awards, and then into the Academy Awards, which is the pinnacle of the award show season. So I'm going to kind of unpack all of the awards here for the Golden Globes, and the Golden Globes, unlike the Academy Awards, does it covers TV. So there'll be some TV awards we're going to talk about, and there's some shows that I haven't seen, but these are the same shows that, if you listen to my episode, I'm not sure of the number off the top of my head now, but when I covered the the Primetime Emmy Awards, uh, a lot of the shows are repeat uh, awards. Uh, they got awards uh, this time as well. So I guess kind of going from the bottom, kind of some of the first awards we saw. So, the best performance by an actor in a supporting role in a series... Limited series or motion picture made for television was Alexander Skarsgård of Big Little Lies. Big Little Lies was a big winner of the Primetime Emmy Awards this past year. We saw basically a kind of a sweep between uh, Big Little Lies and um, The Handmaid's Tale. Uh, both which aren't on the main streaming services. Uh, big Little Lies is on HBO, I believe, and... The Handmaid Sells on Hulu, and I know while I was watching the the Golden Globes, my mother was texting me because she was watching the awards too, saying, why haven't I heard of any of these shows? And that's because she just has a regular cable package, doesn't get HBO, Stars, all of those um, kind of the luxury channels, and she doesn't have Netflix or Hulu or Amazon Prime, so she misses out on some of those shows as well. And I kind of explained to her that we're living in the age now where a lot of the Great televisions no longer coming from the big broadcasting networks. It's coming from uh, these digital streaming platforms or these specialty networks. So I guess moving forward, um, 
also a winner for uh, Big Little Lies was the best performance by an actress in a supporting role in a series, limited series, or motion picture made for television was Laura Dern for Big Little Lies. So another win for Big Little Lies. I haven't seen the show. Uh, last thing I saw Laura Dern in was when she played uh, Admiral Holdo in Star Wars The Last Jedi, which was an interesting role, and I know there's a lot of backstory in the books about that, but it gives more fans that I really need to check out Big Little Lies. It might not be, might not be my type of show, but at least deserves, I think, a watch for at least all the award accolades it's receiving. Uh, moving forward, the best performance by an actor in a limited series or motion picture made for television was Ewan McGregor for Fargo. Ewan McGregor looking very much uh, at the award show like Obi-Wan did in Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. Uh, Both those were uh, decent prequel movies. Um, But speaking of Fargo, I know Fargo's, uh, I believe, just wrapped up its season two. I think it's doing a season three now, I believe. Um, I haven't seen the Fargo. I know it had a great first season and really worth checking out. It's one of the only shows nominated, or one of the shows that won awards at the Golden Globes that was from a broadcast network because it was a uh, FX show. So if you have regular cable packs, you probably can check it out or you can probably buy it on iTunes or Amazon Prime. So it's something to check out there. And then moving forward with the sweep that was Big Little Lies was the best performance by an actress in a limited series or motion picture made for television. And that was Nicole Kidman for Big Little Lies, which makes its third award of the night. And then um, obviously the best television limited series or motion picture made for television went to Big Little Lies, which was obviously the HBO show. And with the three, three of the four major acting in a limited series or movie made for television, so it was pretty obvious that Billy Lies was going to win. Then moving forward to a show I actually did see and actually really do enjoy was the best performance by an actor in a television series, musical, or comedy went to Aziz Ansari for Master of None. And I believe Aziz Ansari won for writing for uh, Master of None at the Emmy Awards. So it's very nice, and I believe he's the first of his ethnicity to win the award of the of the Indian uh, ethnicity. So uh, another kind of milestone for the awards. And it's a great show. I know the second season when they went to Italy was was visually interesting because all the Italy scenes were in black and white and then going back to New York in color. It was a very interesting show. And I it's only got two seasons it's on Netflix. I really encourage my listeners to check it out. It might not be your cup of tea, but I like it. And I think it's pretty enjoyable. If you enjoyed any of Asis Ansari's other work, on Parks and Rec, or in some of his background characters and other movies, I think you'd enjoy this show as well. Uh, another award was for Best Performance by an Actress in a Television Series, Musical, or Comedy went to Rachel uh, Bronston, uh, B-R-O-S-N-A-H-A-N. I'm going to say Bronson. Sounds right. Um, for the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. I uh, haven't seen the show, I really can't speak too much about it, but the Clips they showed for the show sounded interesting, and I believe it's on Hulu or Amazon. I want to say Amazon. Um, so another win for a, a streaming platform, really showing that in the recent years they're becoming a big contender for uh, the accolades of the, at these award shows. 
And then the best television series from musical or comedy went to The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which is an Amazon show, so I stand uh, corrected, but I think I was right. So, The Marvelous, the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel is another show to check out. And then moving forward, the best performance by an actor in a television series drama went to Sterling K. Brown for This Is Us. Sterling K. Brown did win the award uh, for best actor in a drama series at the Primetime Emmy Awards last year. So uh, really the TV awards for a show that awards that take place six months after the other, or maybe not even six months, it's pretty obvious they're going to see a lot of overlap because a lot of these shows, the only differing factor was that the Golden Globes, the uh, Game of Thrones, which has been a previous award show kind of nomination sweeper, didn't get anything this time. So, and Celine K. Brown, I believe, is an NBC show, so it was nice to see them get uh, some primetime TV show get uh, an accolade this year. Um, Best performance by an actress in a television series drama went to Elizabeth Moss for The Handmaid's Tale, which is that, which is a TV series on Hulu adapted from the book by Margaret Atwood, I believe is the the author's name. And that show also went on to win the Best Television Series Drama. So definitely a show we're checking out. And with it being on a streaming service, you can really check it out at any time. Um, Hulu, if you want to watch, you'll have to obviously watch with the commercial unless you pay that little bit extra to have the commercial-free version. And I have commercials on mine, so it's kind of hard to really get into the shows compared to new shows you get on Netflix, which have the ability just to not worry about commercial and just can pump through an episode of a show in 50-ish minutes or 22 minutes, depending on the length of the episode. Now we really get into the, the movie, which is the more... For me, I guess, anyways, the more exciting part of the show. I'm a movie buff. I'm obviously, if you've heard me, if you listen to my show and you're listening to any other shows on the network, you've heard me on the Foodies Watching Movies podcast. And I know we've kind of talked about shows we want to see at the Academy Awards, but the Golden Globes is really the first step into that, so we'll kind of go into it. And I'm more likely to have seen some of these. I know some I'm waiting to see the AMC Showcase, which does all the Academy Award Best Picture nominated films over two weekends, so I'll see like... 10 films or up to 10 films over those two weekends and get really get just filled with uh, a bunch of these very specific types of films not the big crowd please a lot of the independent more uh culturally uh eccentric shows that really it's not going to drag you to the theater as easily on a random night as like say uh the greatest showman or an mcu or star wars film and speaking of the greatest showman uh the award for best original song for This Is Me went to The Greatest Showman. And I saw this movie uh, over the holidays. It's actually a really great movie. Um stars Hugh Jackman. It's about P.T. Barnum. The story of him and how he went from kind of his humble beginnings to create the this back to the P.T. Barnum circus and the big tent and kind of creating of show business. Um, the music involved in the show was very reminiscent of last year's big awards winner which was la la land and the i believe the the music directors or the songwriters from la la land were involved in making the the songs for the greatest showman so it seemed only appropriate that they would get some of this and this is actually i think the only accolade received by the greatest showman at this uh 2018 golden globe awards and then moving forward the best original score for the motion picture went to Alexander Desplat for The Shape of Water, which is that Guillermo del Toro film, which has a lot of buzz around it. it looks very uh, 
visually stunning and probably one of Guillermo Toro's best films next to Pan's Labyrinth. Uh, the best motion picture of foreign language went to In the Fade, which I hadn't heard of going into this, but being an American, I really am not exposed to many foreign language films. So I see what it's nominated, and I guess if I've ever got access to a screener, I'd maybe watch them, but at least for me, sometimes it's hard to watch a movie with subtitle. I think the last one I did that for was actually the silent film was The Artist, which was another uh, award recipient, I believe a Best Picture Academy Award winner from five or six years ago. The Best Motion Picture Animated went to Coco, which isn't all that unsurprising. Disney Pixar tends to usually sweep the award shows on a pretty regular basis. But I've heard great things about Coco, and I think it's worth seeing. It talks about uh, a Mexican family and the Dio de los Muertos festival. And now we're kind of getting into the more um, the more interesting awards, the ones that are going to determine what we're going to look for um, from the SAG Awards, from the BAFTA Awards, and from the Academy Awards to see what movie's going to take dominance and what are the likely front runners now moving forward because a lot of people who have predictions going into this show or into this award show don't really know how it's going to shake out. So moving forward, the best screenplay for the motion picture went to Martin McDonough for three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, which I've heard great things about. It's kind of similarly played, at least from the previous I've seen. I haven't actually seen the movie yet. Um, it's similar to Hell or High Water, a film that, uh, went through the awards circuit last year starring uh, Jeff Bridges and Chris Pine that was a another interesting movie a, kind of a rough ending but from one thing I've learned is that award show and Academy voters and Hollywood Foreign Press Association voters tend to really like the sad stories more than like the happy-go-lucky films that attract the audiences but uh, this is the first win for Three Bolts Outside Ebbing, Missouri and it goes on to receive a few more the best performance by an actor in a supporting role in any motion picture went to Sam Rockwell for Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Uh, the last movie I saw was just a f- about a week or so ago when I watched Iron Man 2, where he played Justin Hammer, who was the head of Hammer Technologies, who's kind of the antagonist for Tony Stark's character in that movie. Uh, similar backgrounds in the show. So, really nice to get him some uh, award show love this year. Uh, moving on from him. So this now we have two awards for three bolt sides outside uh, Ebbing, Missouri. So it kind of puts them in the in the lead right now. Then moving forward, we have the best performance by an actress in a supporting role in any motion picture. And that went to Allison Janney for I, Tanya. I know Allison Janney has uh, won quite a few awards for her work on Mom at the Emmy Awards. And her character looks like it's a quite a transformation from her normal look in this movie and I've heard interesting things about I, Tanya that it's interesting and it kind of it blurs the lines between fact and fiction so definitely an interesting movie I have to check out once I have some time uh, the best performance by an actor in a motion picture musical or comedy went to James Franco for The Disaster Artist now The Disaster Artist has been a movie I've been wanting to see since I started seeing the previews for it for anyone who knows The Disaster Artist is based on well, it's based on a book, which is based on the journey that Tom Wiseau and his friend went to create probably one of the self-proclaimed worst movies of all time, which was The Room. And this is basically like the making of movie. Basically how in, uh, James Franco plays 
Tommy Wiseau in this movie, and kind of nice to see that actually Tommy Wiseau came up on stage, was being thanked by James Franco. It was very very sweet moment, but um, it looked like Tommy Wiseau wanted to kind of take the mic, and James Franco wasn't allowing that, so that kind of caused a lot of uh, social media backlash about that. But it seems to be all good. It seems that uh, Tommy Wiseau understood that it was James Franco's moment, and it was nice enough for him to be invited to the award ceremony and be a part of making that moment special for him. So always nice to see uh, James Franco, who's a very multifaceted individual. He's, I think, got a few doctors. He's been a teacher, an actor, a producer, a director. He's kind of done all sorts of things. So uh, it was really nice to see him get that uh, that honorable moment today. And then. Best performance by an actress in a motion picture musical or kind of was, uh, I think, Sarasi Ronan for Lady Bird. Lady Bird's been kind of one of the talks, one of the front runners in in the category. It's uh, Greta Gerwig's directorial debut. And the last time I remember hearing about Greta Gerwig, she was actually tied to be the main character in the spinoff of How I Met Your Mother, which was How I Met Your Dad. So really interesting, that show ultimately failed, fell apart, but I think it'd be interesting if she was tied to that show and it got a few seasons under its belt, there would be no, there wouldn't be a ladybird that she would have been a part of, so it's kind of interesting that you kind of, kind of dodged a bullet to make something better. The same reason I said, like, when Andrew Garfield got out of the Spider-Man franchise after Amazing Spider-Man 2... Then went on to do some amazing movies like Silence or like Hacksaw Ridge, stuff he wouldn't be able to do if he was still tied to the the Sony uh, Spider-Man universe, or if they ended up porting him over to the MCU when they brought in uh, their actor. So definitely nice to see people getting their due, and sometimes a stumbling block is just leading you to greater things. And this is, makes it the first win for Lady Bird. So now we have. One win for Lady Bird, one win for The Disaster Artist, one win for Itania, two for uh, two billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Sorry, three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. And then one for Shape of Water and one for The Greatest Showman. <clears throat> and I'm going to move on to a movie that I've been desperately wanting to see. I picked up the book about the movie from the airport, which is the best performance by an actor in a motion picture drama went to Gary Oldman for Darkest Hour, and Darkest Hour is that Winston Churchill film uh, during the time that actually takes place very close to the movie Dunkirk, which I know a lot of people have seen, and that was also up for a lot of awards, but was unfortunately snubbed from winning anything at this year, but I'm a feeling that's going to change with the Academy Awards. They tend to recognize a lot of more technical awards, which the cinematography and the effects were pretty spectacular, and there was a lot of very practical effects that we didn't see in some of the other big effects movies this past year. Let me move forward to the best performance by an actress in a motion picture drama, which was uh, Frances McDormand in Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, which made its third win of the evening and very nice recognition for a, a very established actress in Hollywood. And then we move on to one of the more controversial moments of the Academy Award, or not the Academy Awards, the Golden Globes last night. Um, which was the best director for a motion picture. So they brought out Ron Howard, a uh, very prolific director, who's uh, recently coming off directing uh, Solo, A Star Wars Story, which we 
still hoping we'll see a, a trailer for that movie in the next few weeks, so looking forward to that. But also came out Natalie Portman, who's well-known for people in my generation for playing uh, Jane Foster in the Thor movies as a part of the MCU, or for playing Padme Amidala in the three prequel films for Star Wars. So she came out and announced, and I actually saw her most recently in the Jackie movie where she played uh, Jackie Kennedy or Jackie Kennedy Onassis. So uh, she came out with them to present the award, and she said, instead of saying these nominees, she said these all-male nominees for Best Director. Kind of shining a light on the fact that there hasn't been a winner, a female winner for Best Director in 30-some-odd years, and there hasn't been a nominee in quite a while. So, uh, it was a little controversial. It met with a lot of boos and uh, hesitance and not a lot of clapping. And the Best Director ultimately went to Guillermo del Toro for The Shape of Water. Um, Guillermo del Toro actually had a nice moment. He came up to speech, they tried to play music to kind of get him to finish up and he says uh shut that music off i've been waiting 25 years for this this is my moment and then continued his thanks and uh just all of his uh acknowledgments he wanted to make on stage so it's nice to know gamer tutorial has uh done a lot of work and if you listen to our foodies uh episode i guess is a little timey one because we record it before and it's not going to drop really till a week from tomorrow so we talk about Gamer Tour and a couple other uh, directors that have their own specific tastes and styles. So, we'll get to hear about that later. Then we get into, I guess, the two big awards of the night, which was the Best Motion Picture, Musical, or Comedy, which went to Lady Bird, which was led to the official shutout of Get Out, which was up for the awards in that category. And they moved it from the drama category, which most people felt it was more of a fit for, to... The comedy category, which seemed like be a better sweep, similar to how The Martian, the Matt Damon film from a couple years ago, won Best Picture Comedy. So, Get Out won zero awards, beside being one of the best films of 2017, in my opinion. So, I guess I'll have to see if the Academy or any of the other award shows this year give it some love. Which I think it rightly deserves. If it doesn't deserve Best Picture or Best Director, I think it at least deserves... A screenplay credit because it is a fantastic film that I encourage everyone to see. And then the best motion picture drama, obviously after all the awards it received, went to three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, which I'm really looking forward to seeing. And that was really it. That was the awards we saw this year. I uh, there was also some interesting moments. The Susabel uh, Demille Award went to Oprah Winfrey. And they kind of showed a montage of kind of a highlight of her life from the Oprah Winfrey show, from her newscasting days, from moving beyond that to like the O Network and the magazine and her parts in movies like The Color Purple and um, like The Butler and all of that. So, And then she gave a great speech and they talked about her part in uh, the upcoming movie The Wrinkle in Time. So and she gave a really fantastic speech and led a lot of people saying at the end of it, Oprah Winfrey for president, which is an interesting statement. And not to say that she doesn't have the draw or the audience or the experience talking in front of crowds to be a public face 
of the United States, but I think we're kind of on a slippery slope. I mean, if a businessman, a television star can get elected president, then a businesswoman, television star, can also, in theory, get elected president. But I think it's time maybe to take a step back and go back to the the senators, the congressmen, the lawyers, the military men and women, give them opportunity to become president. I think we should avoid going back, keeping with these entertainment personalities, regardless of their their personality for what they hope to accomplish, I think we've seen when someone who's not the most qualified person gets in that role, it's uh, quite a learning curve and something that we don't really get to see. We don't really get to see their accomplishments as easily, and we get to see that it's a lot more of a struggle for them than someone who has more of the intuition, has more of the political, governmental background that is really needed to do that job effectively and quickly. So... Not saying that Oprah wouldn't be a good president. She could be fantastic. But I think we don't want a trend where the only people who get elected president are these very popular public personas. I mean, there was a time that I didn't know who this person was until they stepped up to a podium to run for president. I don't need these people that have been in and out of my life in some capacity in terms of being a face on a TV show or in a background of a movie. So that's just my two cents. I don't know if we need another trend of entertainment. And I think it'd be a very interesting debate to see Oprah Winfrey versus a Donald Trump in a 2020 election. But I don't know. I think the United States deserves better news, deserves someone to really push America forward. And I don't know if another personality, even someone is powerful and knowledgeable and a talent as Oprah is that person. And I guess kind of moving forward from the world of movies and TV to uh, more with what's going on in the U.S. and in the world of Trump. Uh, I actually saw this this morning kind of as I was prepping the show was that uh, apparently there was a fire at the Trump Tower in New York, uh, which involved like, three injuries, one from a firefighter, one from a worker who was trying to put out the fire, and then one from some uh, uh, unidentified person. It looks like it was a part of the heating and ventilation system had a small fire, and it was memed a lot. Like, I saw someone post, with someone come, I think uh, someone said, oh, does that mean Donald Trump has elected a new wife? Kind of similar to, you know, when... At the Vatican, when the Pope dies, they release smoke to announce they're deciding, and different colored smoke to announce when they found that person. So, and that's what kind of what the meme was trying to go for. But I guess kind of moving on from that, uh, something that really shook the president's ego and caused a lot of strife in the White House and in Washington was a book that ha- was coming out recently by Michael Wolff called "Fire and Fury Inside the Trump White House." And Fire and Fury is a common quote that I used in, I think, my second or third episode regarding Trump's response to North Korea saying, like, if they do something, we will bring down uh, the Fire and Fury unlike anything you've ever seen. So then we kind of go forward from that to this book about Mike Wolf, who's this reporter and author, 
who basically was a fly on the wall for nine months of the Trump presidency since right before he was elected until uh, later this past year. And this book brought a lot of ire. Trump was quick to denounce it, saying this was pure fiction and fake news, and I never authorized this. He didn't have the access he claims he had. Um, this also caused a major fallout with between Donald Trump and uh, Steve Bannon regarding a lot of the stuff he said. And this uh, led to just a lot of the RNC and uh, everyone else quickly denouncing uh, this book. And usually if this book was full of absolute lies, it could easily be done a cease and desist or some kind of legal means to prevent something like this from coming out. But seeing as the book was able to come out fairly easily and was a been a pretty big seller, I know when I was trying to look for it, it was sold on Amazon for a few weeks, it was sold on Barnes & Noble for a few weeks, so I ended up picking up the Audible version, so I have the audiobook, and I actually listened to the, um, up through the first chapter before this episode. And it's actually a very interesting read. Um, only kind of weird thing about the book is that during the author's notes at the beginning, he mentions that some of the reports he has are conflicting, and he sometimes allowed people to tell their own side of the story and let us as the listener or the reader decide on what the fact is. And that's kind of weird for me. I understand what he's kind of saying. He's like, this is what I got. I'm just passing along that information. But I don't want to read a book. It's not a book that I'm like not choosing my own adventure. I kind of want a book where I get to get as much factual information as possible. I don't want to get three differing stories and have to assume which one is right. So that's my only real beef with the book so far. Book's fairly interesting. The first chapter's a lot about the campaign leading up to election day with how everyone assumed Trump wasn't going to win. That this was all more of an act or an an exercise to probably it's people in a more public space and lead them to better things. Like Steve Bannon was doing it to get more notoriety and more success and become like the new head of this, like the tea party movement. Killian Conway, Trump's campaign manager was using it to get an anchor site on a new show. Um, Trump was doing this to kind of push him up into the upper echelons and give him a platform. It actually says in the, book about him when he started his own news network like from talking to his friends like roger ailes and rupert murdoch about wanting a fox news type show and something like a like a tnn like a trump news network which would have been interesting and how in the book talks about how trump's wife melania was fearful that he was going to win and what it would do to her pretty sheltered life she lives in new york with her son and trump's reassurances that he wasn't going to win, then life would go back to normal. And even goes to talk about how things were the day of when it looked likely that Trump was going to win and how there's a lot of disbelief from Trump himself who went from like disbelief to fear to just confusion, not knowing how to respond because it seemed like this wasn't something that Trump campaign won at all. They wanted to almost win. They wanted to get to a point where they could say wow we went from nothing to something 
They didn't want the... They wanted a great campaign. They didn't want a presidency. I think Trump was already prepared to say that crooked Hillary, as they say, she needed to get what she wanted. They wanted that that fire, that passion to kind of push them further along the path that they had set up for themselves. And to actually win the presidency was something that they didn't have in their cards. And that's what left a lot of scrambles. Like Trump said, like he didn't prepare a transition team because he thought it was a a waste of time. Or he said like it was bad luck. <coughs> Which is how there was, it was kind of hastily put together at the end in this cabinet that he put together and all of that. So it was a very interesting read. And I'm going to kind of talk about this book chapter by chapter um, for the rest of the show until I finish it. So it'll be interesting. I might do two chapters at a time, depending on the length of them. As an audiobook, it's a little bit easier to kind of get through time because I can kind of knock it out during my commute to work. Does this cut, kind of cut into my podcast listening time? So we'll see how much I accomplish, but at least be a chapter, an episode going forward. So you can probably kind of listen through to this as you're reading the book on your own. And hopefully it's helpful. If not, I'm sorry, just kind of offering my two cents about the book as I'm reading it. It's very interesting, and it's kind of a change of pace book to lead, uh, read or listen to. And I guess kind of moving forward, I'm going to try and... I find I found that a, kind of a sweet spot for my podcast seems to be with the 30 to 40 minute mark, just because some shows are like an hour, hour and a half, two hours are great listens, but you don't get to really knock it out in one sitting. A lot of people want a podcast they can listen to in their commute to work or at the gym or in some capacity like that. So I'm going to try and keep my episodes kind of moving forward into this 30 to 35 to 40 minute kind of times which kind of a good sweet spot to have. And now I'm not just filling your heads with information. You're like, I can't even process. You've talked about 20 news stories and part of a book and all of this. So I'm going to try and shoot for that. doesn't say that I won't have longer episodes in the future, but I'm going to try and keep that sweet spot of 30 to 40 minutes kind of going forward. But I think that's enough talking for me today. I'm a little lightheaded from being on cold medicine and kind of had some fun today. So I guess with that, I will run down so you can... um. Listen, a lot of their shows are on our network by going to journeyintocomics.com. We have a Patreon, which you can get early access to all of our episodes, as well as access to The Road to Infinity War, which is what we're doing, which is a movie-by-movie movie review of the entire MCU in release order, all the way from Iron Man through Avengers Infinity War, including Black Panther, which should drop, I believe, the week or a few days before Infinity War comes out, so... I know on my show we're going to be doing uh, Iron Man 2 and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. So Iron Man 2 you'll get to hear in a couple weeks. And yeah, so for $3 a month you get access to all the people on our network talking about some of these movies. So I really encourage you if you have the money, have the time to throw a few bucks our way and get access to some great additional content beyond the already early access to a lot of shows and some other patreon exclusive content we have right now <clears throat> you can follow me on all the social media facebook twitter and instagram at the poor report um i have some big things coming um starting with episode 25 and moving forward that i hope you guys like and i think it'll lead to a bigger presence for me which means better content for you so uh 
Yeah, so thanks you guys for listening. I'm sorry I'm a little under the weather, but I hope you guys have a great week. And I'll be back to talk to you about more stuff going on in the world of news, media, and everything Trump. So have a great week, guys.